You're listening to the PR Wind Down Podcast, the show for public relations professionals who are ready to see real change in the PR industry. We are your hosts, April White and Laura Schooler. Let's get ready to wind down. Wait, I love these new, are these new glasses that you've got on? Uh, no, these are, I just don't wear them. I usually have contacts in, so I'm usually wearing my reading glasses. These are my really, real glasses. I really like them. They, they suit have you. magnetic sunglass, you know, that just magnify oh, onto the. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. Well, I think but, they're. I think they're dashing. But I did get myself a little. And the hair is cute. Like you've got this whole like ready. like you look like a sporty you look spice. Like, yeah, you look like Laura Schooler, the cartoon today. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It's a good look. It's all very nice. So what's going on in the world of PR, April? I mean, I'm only on the periphery. You know, I'm doing internal communications work right now. Oh, are you for who? Can you say? I can't actually right now. I'm under NDA, but for a financial services company. Nice. That's great. So I don't know if there'll be anything to to talk about in terms of internal communications, which we don't talk about that much. But in my experience in the past few years, companies are very much more interested in internal communications than external and a couple of huge companies I worked at, which I always found so backwards because I'm a PR person that isn't it more important for your public audiences to know what you do, not your internal audiences. But as we have seen, it's both the world change and companies shouldering a lot of new burdens that they didn't used to do for employees, it has mm. become a very prevalent thing. Well, that is a very good accidental segue to the news of the day. (laughs) Unless you just secretly set that up. What is the news of the day? The news of the day is about Victoria's Secret missing the mark by pursuing inclusivity as a tactic, not a culture. And so this is a great example of what you're talking about, where internal communications is the thing that sets the culture right? That's the brand essence Mm -hmm. internally from which the external communications stems. So if you don't have it right internally, then your external communications will be disjointed at best or completely inauthentic at worst or a lie at worst. And so this this is, this is very interesting in that it's like they're advertising to the mere mortals as Victoria's Secret, but essentially that's not really what's happening. What are all the workers like six foot tall and they weigh 112 or something? <laughs> <laughs> so, so during a week for anxiety for many women in the US, Victoria's Secret launched its latest campaign, Devoid of Angels, Glamour, and Wings. Instead, it featured us, mere mortals. With the promise of advocacy and commitment for us, quote, real women to be the ones defining what beauty is. We've changed. Check. We see you. Check. Real. Quadruple check. Images of women of different sizes, ages, races, abilities. Check. It has all the right ingredients, all the right messaging that has worked for other brands in the past, but what's different? And so what it says is essentially that, so this op-ed writer is saying, why is this a miss? And she says there's a few reasons. No, number one, the timing. 
So given the SCOTUS ruling a few days earlier and over four years since the CEO of Third Love wrote an open letter to Victoria's Secret about its lack of inclusivity and regard for non-size two women, it makes you wonder who's paying attention. So the timing they said is bad. Um, in 2019, there was also a petition circulated among the modeling world with many condemning the misogyny and sexual harassment they'd witnessed. They urged leaders to embrace a new code of contact. There are other skeletons in the closet around billionaire owner Leslie Wexner and Jeffrey Epstein. We've seen this before. So they're saying, okay, the Dove Real Beauty campaign did this in 2004. It was like, welcome to, you know, 2022. Aerie did something in 2014 around body positivity and showing models that look like their other customers. They said, you know, it never seems to occur to Victoria's Secret that including larger sizes and the more diverse models didn't have to disrupt the brand's dream. It felt like the glamorous party had ended and we were left to be invited once all the fun had ended. Well, what do you think the real issue is? I mean, I feel like their product has gotten cheaper. I used to use Victoria's Secret. We talked about, that's what we talked things. about, right? That's what we, we talked, talked about, about this before. How so it's it like, was. yeah, it's like, but my guess is what's happening is that probably the economics of doing the expensive bras and then charging the rates that are commensurate with that high quality is not the price point that most Americans want to spend. So my right. guess is that they've kind of had to go the cheaper route. So it's like sexy clothes for not too much money. And there must be better economics in doing that. And so it seems like they have to fix the branding then to match this sort of mm -hmm. cheaper offering. I mean, it's in, it is interesting because that is the way of the world right now. Everybody wants everything cheaper and everything is digital and, and available online. And so you can find out in two seconds whether what you're buying in a store or online is, is the most competitive price mm -hmm. and everybody's bargain shopping for the cheapest stuff online, which then makes it so that only the giant conglomerates can even compete. So that's a, that's a whole other conversation that we don't need to go into right now. But I think they're doing what they have to, but it makes me sad. And I think it's a good example of your storytelling, your story doing have to align, right? As I always say, so what you want people to believe about you have to be doing. But what I don't, what I don't get from the op-ed beyond, okay, they haven't been doing a great job of doing this previously, but is it that they're really not doing it now? Like to your point, like is everybody that works there a size two or a size mm -hmm. zero and beautiful and white, right? Like, is that what they're implying? Cause that's, then that's a problem. But you also can't, I mean, as a business owner, I understand you can't change everything all at once either. Even though I agree that it's important, you have to do what you say before you can say what you do. I still think this is a little bit overly harsh towards Victoria's Secret. Well, I mean, the other thing is like, you know, advertising is not reality ever. And is it supposed to be? Advertising is trying to get people to buy stuff. That's all it's doing or make them feel better about, or actually making them feel worse about themselves so that they buy the product to make themselves feel better. So that's why, you know, forever it's had supermodels, et cetera, because, oh, I want to look like her. I want to smell like her. I want to, you know, have a life like her. It's not reality. 
So if yep. we're really, but you looking, don't look, I don't look at this and go like, Oh, I really want to look like, I'm like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe that's what you look like, or maybe that's what your neighbors right. look like. I don't want to know that that's what we look like. Really. I've got their Twitter open with this sort of revolving video in the background. That's upsetting. <laughs> And it's like, it reminds me of when you go to try and close at a department store that's too well lit and you're in the dressing room with the three-way, the three-way mirrors and there's like fluorescent lighting. You're like, I didn't know until now about that cellulite. So right. F- you, right. Like, but thanks for let, like, couldn't you have just softened it a touch? Yeah. Like, lighting I, is so important. I knew I was, I knew I don't like 18 anymore, but for the love of Troy, like, right. can you just Ease not- up. Yeah. So now should companies be diverse and have different types of people working there, et cetera, et cetera? Sure. Of course. But like, it doesn't have to reflect the advertising. So from a PR perspective, uh, what's our key takeaway here? Well, I think it goes back to what I said several months ago, if not a year ago, when we talked about this, like they need to like amp up the product oh i know when i was talking about it i said that i go there sometimes because there is a victoria's secret near me on broadway it has since closed Mm. so i will never step in a victoria's secret again the only reason i did it is because of proximity it's not my thing i think they need to totally like up their game style wise and mostly consistency and quality so that, I think, yeah, I, and I, I think the point that you're making there that as it relates to PR is like, you have to do something novel and interesting and important and different before you can share that you're doing that in the news. A lot of Good. people think, oh, I just PR Next. stuff and we just spin it. But right. what you really have to do is do something newsworthy and yeah. then your team can adequately right. share what you're doing. But right, they can't if, just invent something out of thin air. Right. If I go there because I read an article or saw an ad or whatever about it, and then the quality is garbage and I hate everything in there, I'm never going back. Yeah. I mean, I'm never going back anyway, probably, but that's me. But I mean, if I was actually their target audience. Yeah. I mean, ha- haven't you had that happen before? You've yeah. had a bad experience. You're like, why would I go there? I could go a hundred other places. Yeah. So your advertising and your PR can't be flash and glam and then the store experience be crap yep again it doesn't have to completely mirror reality but it has to connect yep yes oh and i and i do see they did hire a more diverse team several months ago okay so that that is in there at any rate should we i feel like we kind of beat that dead horse to death and then some do you want to move on to <laughs> there's one more news story that's kind of interesting that caught my eye okay so our other news story of the day is about how non-drinkers are struggling in an agency world that relies on the alcohol now americans are drinking less and less they're looking for alternative ways to celebrate and bond and so how does this impact life at an agency this is from ad week so they're mostly talking about ad agencies i mean i think agencies in general are known for being pretty i guess so i guess i'm just thinking of ad agencies and like you know mad men and all of that and like how the world has not changed that much since the 60s until maybe recently very recently i i'm an interesting case study so i definitely did the boozy agency thing and it was part of the culture it wasn't even just part of the culture for socializing with colleagues but it was part of the social fabric of interfacing with clients 
So the clients that we had in New York were accustomed to us taking them out to fancy dinners and drinks and showing them a good night on the town and paying for everything, right? And so one of the things that I felt like was my place at the time was to be that sort of party instigator who was going to make sure that the client had, you know, the most fun night in New York City imaginable, or even... I had one client where we had an event in New Orleans and I was the one instigating like, all right, let's make sure we go to this, you know, crazy music club after hours. And like, you know, this is how we're going to get there. And, you know, this is where we should have dinner. And, and so, I mean, I did not have, I did not have that agency experience. Oh, really? Interesting. Okay. Maybe it was just me. No, it was probably the agencies or the type of clients you you had. You were right, right. I mean, I had a booze client at one point. So that was, looking back on it, it was highly unprofessional, all of it. But it was just what was expected and what was done. And it does lead to that kind of bonding. And so there is the question, right? If you don't do that, can you still bond with people? And I would argue, yes, right? But you just have to do it in a more authentic and genuine way. Because it just means then you need to be actually connecting with them on a personal level that doesn't involve chaos and debauchery. <laughs> right. So, so what if you were a person who works at an agency yeah. who is an AA or is just trying to stop drinking well, I don't, or cut right, back? I don't, I don't drink any. To. I stopped drinking when I was still in an agency. Mm-hmm. Um, but honestly, I almost couldn't do it. So at first, what I started doing was, I'll oh, just have one drink when I'm with everyone and then nobody will give me trouble about it, then it's not like, oh, April doesn't drink and red flag. And what does that mean? Or whatever. But as it turned out, I was not the kind of person and my personality is not such that I, I cared at the outset about only drinking one or two drinks, but after the one or two drinks, I no longer cared about the boundary I had previously set. (laughs) It was was just anybody's guess how wild that day was going to go. So like, I mean, I'm exaggerating a little bit. It wasn't, wasn't as bad as it could have been. And I, I certainly have had lots of friends and acquaintances who have had much worse experiences, but I didn't like being in a situation where I didn't know what I was going to say or how I was going to react to something. Right. And that I would be in control of it, especially in a professional setting. Mm-hmm. You don't want it some, to be the reason I why tell somebody something super personal and right. then not remember I did it. Yep. Or hook up with somebody you work with and then be like, ah, right. All of any, any or all of the above, right? right? Like, so this um, story in ad week, generally talking about how somebody who has alcohol issues or in any addiction, how working in an agency is a really bad place. It can be a really bad place. I mean, same for being a reporter. Say that again. It was that way for being a reporter. I think nowadays everyone's kind of on their own and less in the newsroom. So it's probably a slightly different culture. And probably even with remote agency life, it's probably a bit different too, you know? Right. I mean, they're saying here, like, not only are you working 12 to 13 hours a day, so then you don't have time to go to the gym. And so anyway, then you're drinking and then it's this whole cycle. And so your health is declining and all, I mean, so many things and probably your relationships and all of that. Um, So what do you do? If you're in that world and you're in a area where like drinking happens a lot. I think, yeah, I think if you're the person that doesn't drink like me, I think you need a strategy. You need to know what you're going to order. And if you want it to look like alcohol, you need to have a go-to that 
can potentially look like alcohol. So I always get a soda water with lime, mm-hmm. which is what I order anyway at a restaurant too. But I, every once in a while, I get a, a mocktail or something like that. Mm-hmm. If just because it sounds fun, it's better than just getting water and then having people be like, oh, you're drinking water. Cause at least if you have something with fruit in it, <laughs> it looks fizzy. People might assume right it's something other than water and you don't have to explain yourself as much but i guess a part of what this article says is like finally getting to the point where you're comfortable enough and maybe your religion dictates that you don't drink also right yeah comfortable enough to just tell people that you don't drink because what if you do what you're doing like you say oh i have a you know drink that's pink with strawberries in it and somebody's like oh here's another one april and they hand you a drink with alcohol in it well what i normally have happen is they'll actually ask if they can have a taste. It was just so funny. They're like, that looks great. What is that? And then I tell them what it is and they're like, wait, there's no alcohol in it. Or they're like, can I try it? You know, I don't know why people, it's like this mystery of like, oh my God, a drink without alcohol. What's that taste? Like, I'm like, it's funny. you know, like every other drink that you drink, that's not alcohol, but, um, right. <laughs> but, but that look, but this so, one looks like a drink. It just drink. looks like a drink drink. Yeah. I don't tell people I don't do it either way aggressively. I don't pretend I'm drinking, mm-hmm. but I also don't come out and go like, I don't drink. I, yeah, I don't, I don't like, it's not, right. I don't make a big deal out of it. So it's right. just kind of, if they ask, then I say, oh, it's a, you know, strawberry, whatever, or it's muddled strawberries with mm-hmm. ginger beer or whatever. And they're like, that's it. I'm like, yep. <laughs> so I think part of the article too, is like, how do you, as an agency owner or an agency coworker make people more comfortable in those situations. I mean, in, in some regards, I think the people that don't drink have to not be dry drunks. Like they have to be completely comfortable being around alcohol. Mm -hmm. Like I can, I can go out to karaoke or whatever, and I don't have any longings. I don't feel jealous. There's not a part of me that wishes I were, you know what I mean? It's none of, there's none of that energy. So I'm just like, yeah, "Yeah, whatever, get wasted if you want. I'm not, you know, I'm still good. And you have to just be really at peace with your decision. If you're like an owner or colleague, being supportive of those people is really important because the thing that you should never do is egg them on. Cause Mm -hmm. I've had lots and lots of that too. Like, isn't there any context? What about if, what about if you just had one or what if I babysit you or like what if well, people have said never, that to you? yeah you'd never have just one like couldn't you just have one and it's like why would you push me right like I don't have that kind of a problem but if I did that's so inappropriate I was going to say something along the lines when I am not drinking which I sometimes I am and sometimes I'm not whatever yeah, you like- I've noticed how it affects the people who are drinking so much and they say things like what you just said, or they start giving me some story about why they drink or when they did. And I'm like, I, I know it makes them feel okay. guilty. Yeah. Like yeah. it's, I don't care what you do. I'm not yeah. drinking because I have to get up early tomorrow. I drank last night. I want to lose weight. I'm right. not drinking for the next six months. Cause I just decided not to drink for the night, whatever. Right. People get really weirded out. They get really weirded out. They, they do. do. Which is partly why I don't make a big deal out of it. Mm-hmm. But when they ask and I tell them, they're like, Arr. it's weird though. The amount of people don't handle it well. Yeah, I know. I mean, most people have a problem with alcohol, I think, but um, I never yeah. made drinking a part of my job with any regularity on purpose. I, I mean, didn't. I think that's super smart. This was not a social thing to me. This was my job. 
it wasn't fun to me. It seemed depressing to be like pounding with some guy that you would have never talked to in a million years other than you happen to be working with him or her or whatever. Right. I don't like, I don't drink at home, but I will drink socially sometimes right. when I'm out for dinner or we're at, you know, at, in a club or whatever, I will. The other point they make in this article is just that you want to provide alternatives for people. I think that's really good advice, right? If you, if the only options are beer and wine or water, that's not so cool, no. right? Like at least give them a soda water option or something in a can that looks festive. Right. I think it's really difficult if you don't have some kind of alternative. And even, I mean, I think it's cool if companies offer non-alcoholic cocktails or, or, yeah, um, totally. you know, some kind of other fancy mixed Shirley Temples. Whatever, right? Like anything. Truly temples for everyone. Then it's inclusive, right? And I think yes. I think what we're going for in society in general is just everyone being respected and honored to and be included. included. Yep. And this is just another form of inclusivity. That's exactly what it is. So you need to do that. And be kind to people who don't drink. Because they're you never know. It's yeah. like in this article, there's a line that says, not drinking is the least interesting thing about me. Right. It is. It's not it, somebody who doesn't drink. Who cares? Like there's a, I, yeah. I never knew, understood why it was a thing. Okay. So April, today's things I should have been trained on. Yes. How to deliver bad news to a client. Were you trained yes. on that? Definitely not. Nor I, I don't think that I still have been. Um, I feel like when bad news comes up, it depends on who you work for and everybody has a different perspective on how to do that. I feel like there's a lot of times, a lot of like, well, don't say anything yet. And like, wait till, you know, 1103 and like a lot of trying to like, you know, machinations. And I'm more of a, either tell them now or don't tell them, <laughs> you know, like I'm a pretty black and white person. What's the worst news you've had to deliver to a client? I mean, usually it's just like, the article that you interviewed for isn't running or the way you're positioned in this article, you're not going to be psyched about. And I mean, it is what it is. And sometimes clients aren't as upset as you think they're going to be, or this great interview that, you know, we've all been dying to get got canceled mm -hmm. and they're not really looking like they're all that interested in rescheduling it. Yep. I feel most of the time clients are either neutral to okay about it, maybe relieved they didn't have to do the interview, but they're not going to tell you that. Obviously, once in a while, there's people who go ballistic and tell you that you're a horrible PR person, et cetera. But I mean, I guess the best advice or that I've seen and that I've enacted is you just got to tell them and then give them the, this perceived bad thing happened, except it might not be as bad as it looks because and we are going to do these three things, sort of, you know, fill in the negative void to make things more positive in the near term. Yeah, that's good advice. As long as you have that, how we're going to make it better or address it or what we're doing to fix it if we can, or what we'll do in the future to make sure this doesn't happen again, if possible, or we're not going to work with this writer again, whatever, right? Whatever the thing right, is. Right, right. Can you remember a time when you delivered bad news and a client took it surprisingly well or not well? Or is there even something bad news that wasn't really directly related to 
an interview or an article? Mm -hmm. Well, I had a client that we decided to stop working with and didn't want to explain why. And that was not received real well. Because they what they kept saying why why and you sort of no it just was answer? like they were kind of panicked right that they well my god I, but I need you to do this thing and I didn't see this coming and this is you know kind of out of left field and so I've broken up with clients that weren't expecting a breakup and that was a little rough. How did you deliver the news? In one case, I did make up an excuse. It was not the real reason. The real reason was that the client was unpredictable and we thought maybe unstable. And so the information that we were getting about their life and about what they were doing wasn't to be trusted. And we didn't want our reputation being at risk. Because, right. So um, that was the real reason. But I also knew that this person couldn't afford more than they were paying. So I just invented that our minimums had gone up to a certain amount. And offered that if they wanted to stay on with us after their contract term starting next month, that they could do that at this at minimum. higher rate, right. Yeah. And that was the end of that. That was the end of it. Um, okay. So the reason why you fudged the real reason was because the real reason was sort of too personal, maybe. Right. And how do you tell somebody, hey, I don't trust you? Right. Like you might be a little bit off the deep end and we don't want to have anything to do with you because you're going to yeah, take usually, my brain down. I mean, yeah. even personally, when I've gotten to the place where I don't trust someone anymore, that's not worth the conversation. You right. just break up with them. And you say, oh, I'm, I don't want to do this anymore. Going with my life is going in a different direction. Right. <laughs> like you don't have to give a reason, right? Because you, you don't need to argue with them about it. So, and then um, was there another example you were going to give about breaking up with the client? I had another one that was a trade scenario and we needed the resources that were being used for the trade for something else. You weren't exchanging money. You were doing PR and they were doing something for you. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it was like, I don't think that we have the resources to keep doing that and this other thing we need to do or want to do. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, so sorry, the team's maxed out right now which was true. Right. They need to work on client. But they were like, what the hell? And they were like, can you stay with us for like a lesser amount of trade? And so that's when I was like, yeah, of course. So we just did that to keep it from being too awkward. But it was also because it was very difficult to pitch. Okay. And the team was really struggling and it wasn't a very fun project. Right. And so you didn't want to ruin people's interest in working for you because they wanted to maybe get away from this client or this trade client. And then all of a sudden you're also, then, then you start losing employees or like people working hard because they hate it so much. Or there's paid work coming in the door that. And you can't uh, staff it appropriately because of that. Yeah. Yeah. And the trade was like valuable, but not more than revenue. So (laughs) you delivered that news sort of couched as well. And the way they took it was by making it easier for you to continue working with them. And you did, did you work with them for a long time after? Yeah. Wow. So. So you delivered bad news, but they wouldn't let you actually really deliver it. So there is an example of how 
being nice or whatever you, however you want to couching it somewhat backfired on you. Cause like, I'm sure you just wanted to disengage, but you were not able to. And if you had been like, look, like my team just can't take doing this anymore. So I'm sorry, but I'm going to, then you probably would have gotten lost out of friend. it, but then you would have right lost the relationship. Uh, yeah. So delivering news to a client that you're not that invested in, you could be fairly more straightforward. Or if they push back, you can just be like, no, I'm sorry, it's just not going to work. But with a client that you have a more entangled relationship with, yeah, delivering bad news is harder. The type of bad news that you're talking about, though. So if we go it's, back to the- It's almost like I introduced a new topic, a second yeah. topic, which is like how to break up with a client. <laughs> right. Right. Delivering bad news, delivering like, oh, you know, they put you on the cover of the magazine and they made you look horrible and they wrote, you know, murderer across the front. Like, how do you deliver that bad news to a client? Yeah. Oh, God. Can you imagine? How do you deliver bad news about PR news? Not about, yeah, not about client breakup, but like bad PR news to a client that you don't like or you don't have that much vested in versus one that you do like and do have. I think it's so similar to like what to do in a crisis, right? Where you have to tell them what happened as directly as possible with as little drama as possible and admit to it. And then also explain what you're doing to fix it. I always say there's nothing we could have done. And that's usually partly true, but there's always something that gives the appearance of fixing a process or a scenario or an issue that you can for at least for optics can say you're doing to make it better right so i think you have to just use a similar approach but do you as a senior person or an agency owner do you deliver the news do you do it in a group do you just do it one-on-one -on -one? it just depends on the scenario i think if the team is the most familiar with what happened then it makes sense to have the team lead do it if it's something where your team messed up and you're the agency owner and you mm -hmm. have to replace their team and fire someone, then you do it. Yeah. If it's really that bad, if it's nobody's fault per se, but right. just the media just did sucks. something that was right. unforeseen, you know, then I guess whoever has the, the best relationship with the client. But the most important thing I would say is being empathetic to how they'll take it, making sure that you are taking that tone of voice into consideration when you tell them, and then just being on as honest with them as possible. And, you know, and if, if you messed up, I mean, I've had to, to tell clients before when I worked at other agencies, luckily not here for my own, but I had an agency that, that was constantly messing stuff up and it was like, this is not acceptable. And I would literally say that to them, right? Like, hey, like what we've been doing is not effective and I'm sorry about that. And there's no excuse for it. Um, we're going to fix it as soon as possible. So you've and, and been I would come out very and straightforward. Yeah. I would just come out and tell them. And honestly, that was the fastest way to earn their confidence. Mm -hmm. they were like, and get they, by that issue. Thank and... you for saying that, right? right. Rather than like, I'm just going to also pretend that everything is fine and the world is Santa Monica and like nothing went wrong and like nobody did anything wrong. And we're just going to like do a really good job for you moving forward. I'm your new account person. Like nobody wants to hear that. So 
I would come in and say like, I don't know what was going on with this, but this person's gone. I'm here to save the day. I will fix it. Give me a month. And they're like, okay, cool. You know, nobody's ever like, I can't believe she said that. Right. Like, oh, thank God. All right. Well, I think we finally got to uh, the best of all possible answers. I mean, somehow we also got me to do an imitation of Pearls in Santa Monica that was really unflattering. <laughs> Sorry, Santa Monica girls. Wish they all could be Santa Monica. That's so funny. Is that a specific thing? Yeah. In my head, it is because of the specific I, example I was thinking of reference, referencing. Yeah. But no, not, not exactly. California, maybe. That's funny. Do we want to read the anonymous PR horse for the day? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. It's kind of a long one. Okay. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to watch you read it. Oh, boy. So this story happened to me maybe a few years ago or so. But a friend reminded me about it last weekend. How did I ever forget? I wasn't listening to the wind down when I had this experience, but it is so perfect for you. Okay. So I was working with an agency for this client who had an awesome company that did all this amazing research and awareness activism for a rare genetic disease. The client CEO had lost his dad to the disease and he was super passionate. And I was really proud to be doing this project for this client. So this was the pre COVID days and the client wanted to meet our team after the end of a really successful quarter. The agency was cutting him a deal sort of as a charity initiative to help brands with a powerful mission and not a lot of funds. The client CEO took me and the rest of our account team down to the local baseball stadium for a game. He already sounds like a great guy, but that's my side note. It was fun. (laughs) It was fun until I got up to get a drink and I tripped over my dress on the stairs. Oh my God. It was a long maxi length summer dress with spaghetti straps. I stepped down hard on the front of it and the whole top of the dress pulled down for a few seconds as I (gasps) fumbled to pull it back up. Oh no. Several rows of nearby people saw my sheer strapless bra. I don't think any nips slipped, but who knows? It happened so fast. Anyway, my female colleagues and I laughed it off. I thought it was over. Fast forward to the end of the game. My client was a few beers in. Oh no. Going back to the alcohol at work. My agency boss shows up late. He had been at another client meeting, but wanted to stop by and make an appearance toward the end. The client starts telling my boss about my accidental flashing. Asks if I quote charge extra for a live show. Oh, and then my God. Proceeds to suggest that my boss should hold a charity auction for his brand to auction me and my quote no. sweet rack off for charity. No. It was obviously no. meant as a joke. And both my boss and the client were in stitches, but I was mortified. I had a bad taste in my mouth for the client and my boss after that, even if the work that we did for the client was it, for the disease research was good. Oh my God. I hated him more every day after that and eventually asked to be removed from the account. 
did I overreact? Sounds to me like you think she did not overreact. Okay. <laughs> okay. One detail is still bugging me, which is like, who has a sheer strapless bra? Just have to say. Like a see-through strapless bra? I bet that this person got it at Victoria's Secret. <laughs> I really, I mean, I will tell you the rest of the story that was going in the back of my head, like trying to map, like, is that a, like, can I Google that? Is that a thing? But wait, strapless. why is that important to you? Well, because if she hadn't had a sheer strapless bra, then nobody would have seen her nips. It is a thing. Huh. How about that? Well, she said, I don't think any nips slips, but who knows? I mean, did they do the wrong thing? A thousand percent. Like who did the it, wrong thing? The, the client guys. and, and yeah. right. And the boss. Is it worth asking to come off of an account? Maybe. Okay. So what I'm thinking is why does the client and the agency boss think that that is so funny? It's not that funny. Like, you know what I mean? It's not even like she stepped on her dress and it came down. Like who cares? If you're a wasted dude, it's funny. Is it funny? Objectively? Probably not. No, it's not funny. It's just, I mean, it's not, not, Um, I'm not saying that's not funny. I'm saying like, it's so just whatever. Like, oh, she accidentally, her dress came down and then she pulled it up. Oh, what a story. Okay. If the tables were turned yeah, and it was a guy and his pants got pulled down for whatever reason. And you saw his boxers shorts or his tidy whities You'd have to have seen more than that. He'd have to be wearing like a banana hammock and you saw like everything and he had a bone or something. Like if that happened, like, wouldn't you also be like, oh my God, dude, <laughs> like we just saw Frank's balls. They're like coming well, out right. of the side of it. <laughs> but you didn't, but, but, but she was wearing basically a, a bikini top. It's just not that funny to me. So the fact that they like- I'm made- just trying to think if it would be funny if it were gender reversed, like- well, the thing is, if we, we're not talking about her bottoms coming off. I know there's no, there's not an equivalent, women. right? And the that's, well, bottoms. and that's the, the problem with the men and women in life. There's no or, equivalent. Like that's, I joke. guess it's just so like, so juvenile. juvenile yes. I know. Like I know, so but juvenile. Like, it sounds to me like, well, there's not an equivalent. I'm just, no, and I'm that's just trying to say, I'm just trying to say though, like, is it, is it that big of a deal? Um, because we if it I mean, made her feel get a little bit rude. If it made this woman feel objectified, yeah, and sort of creepily like, oh, we saw her. We're gonna tell everybody. Like, we kind of saw her boobs. Like, have you been to the beach lately, dude? I don't know. It's just so if earlier in my life. I definitely would have felt violated. I've been really angry and asked to come off the account a thousand percent. I did something similar, not for, not a similar situation, but I had a similar, mm-hmm. like asked to be removed from a situation that made me uncomfortable. I think as I got older and more comfortable in my own skin and didn't take things quite as personally, I think mm-hmm. it got easier to not make it such a big thing. I would have not asked to be taken off because I would have, my whole life, I've been told just to like plow through any brick wall. 
don't ask for help you're not allowed to complain you're not you know whatever like you just got to keep going forward no matter what anybody says or does to you so when I was younger I wouldn't have said anything yeah older I mean I don't know how this person feels that's the other you just don't know but I probably would not have been asked to be taken off the account for just that reason but I hope that at this point in my life I would have said something in the moment which is very hard to do and told both of them to like you know f off in some way you know or knowing me I would have been like you know made some sarcastic comment to put them in their place yeah so I don't think that you can ever tell somebody that they overreacted because you don't know what no, baggage and it's like they it's have. that that's their call right yep. like that's not you can't say that for sure somebody else can't really embarrass you you're the one who is in charge of your embarrassment and that's a very hard thing to to deal with and swallow so if this yep. person was embarrassed that's really not about anybody but yourself and your own self-confidence or whatever yep because nothing horrible happened here but these guys are turds basically yeah and they were not looking out for your comfort they were looking out you know for their laughs and to be like you know yeah how about this question if the agency ceo was a woman would the the client have said anything to her probably not at least not in the same way So it is an intimidating boys club preying on some probably younger woman who, you know, did something that embarrassed her. And so, so she didn't overreact and maybe she hated him for other reasons too. Although it sounds like she really dug their mission for this disease that they were, which is another thing. If like you have a client who's, you know, halfway doing pro bono work for your very important, you know, disease charity work. Like you think that person would be a little bit more enlightened than your dress came down, it's her boobs. Yeah. So, you know, so maybe that's what happened. Maybe she was so disenchanted by the way he acted over something so dumb when she thought he was like so high-minded for the work that he was doing. And then he turned out to be just like every other schlub. And maybe it hurt her feelings. And and it it the whole house of cards around like this, you know, awesome client came down. And she was so disappointed that she just didn't want anything to do with it. Yeah. I think that's what happened. That's what I could see would have happened with me. Yeah. Okay. I like it. I, I think that's a wrap. Do you want to get into our sponsor segment? Before oh, we yeah. It's sort of interesting, right? So this is the segment before we sign off where we like to tell you about the latest and greatest products rocking our worlds. Sometimes they're PR related, sometimes they're not, they're just for fun. This week, we are talking about Just Not Sorry, which is a Chrome extension for Gmail and Outlook for Web that helps you send more confident emails by warning you when you use words that undermine your message. So they have a bunch of warning phrases like just and actually and sorry and apologies and apologize and forgive i think we think i'm no expert yes but literally all kinds of things that basically make you sound less serious and less confident and less confident and can just otherwise undermine your credibility so So, i think this is pretty interesting you found this right laura yeah i did and it's funny because a friend of mine a couple of years ago told me 
that she has stopped using the word just in her work communication. She said this to me a couple of years ago. As it says here, just demeans what you have to say, just shrinks your power. It's time to say goodbye to the justs. Yep. You know, just checking, just wanted to see. It makes you sound like a little kid asking your mommy for permission, you know, for something. And women yeah. do this crap all the time because we're afraid of confrontation or getting yelled at, or we feel that we have to not bother people or we have to be extra super polite or delicate about mm -hmm. things. Yep. So this just not sorry extension, I haven't used it yet, but I guess it highlights that when you use those words so that you can go back through your email or your your memo or whatever and delete those words or find you know replacements for words like that. I'm no expert, but well, actually you are the expert. You're the one who's the yeah. you know client lead. You should be the expert. Don't say yep. that to you know your your client. Yep. The just I have definitely used. And yep. what else I think I probably still use. I use just, I still use just like just checking in to see if, you know, XYZ, you know, you got the proposal or whatever. Right. Like I definitely use it to soften things that are otherwise kind of pushy. See, see if you can try to not use the word just. Okay. Some of these. Following up. Yeah. Checking in. Did you have time to look at this yet, Bob? Not. Sorry, just checking. Just. Right, right, right. It might be a little bit not as polite as most people would want somebody to be in my actual, my mother wanted me to be. Yep. But I will say when I use these words, it is because I'm a little bit afraid. I, it's fear. Fear makes you do stupid things. This is one of the ways that fear makes you do stupid things. I'm afraid that I don't have the qualifications or I am going to make this client or person annoyed or I don't want to be bothersome. Mm -hmm. Why are women, and I'm going to say women because you know it's 90% of the time it's women. Why are we so concerned about being like, a pain in the neck or misconstrued. I think we have a negative stereotype with being nags. We don't want to be nags. Right. But by using these words, I think that we're red flagging that we're insecurity. Nags. Yep. Mm -hmm. You're putting yourself down a level in like the equality game. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's a way to be polite and businesslike and, you know, unnag like in other words than using words that make you sound like you're eight. Well, one thing in here that's just good writing, but don't use, I feel, I believe, we believe, we feel, in my opinion. Those are all things that they teach Hello. you in, in writing not to use anyway, because you're saying it. You, there's no need to preface that we believe right. you're saying what you believe. It's filler preface words, it's it extra by, words, right. Yeah, just say it. No, but it's, it's looking for praise from mommy and daddy. It's again, you're, you're infantilizing yourself, infantilizing yourself. Infantilizing, yeah. Yeah. Do we have, do we have examples, Laura, of, of replacement words for things like that? Instead of, right. So instead, instead of, of saying, like, I think, uh, I recommend. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good one. Yeah. I sometimes say I wouldn't recommend doing this too. Right. Like, we'll do what you want. You're the client, but I wouldn't recommend. Right. Or, you know, starting with in order to get 
the results that you desire, and maybe you're specific mm -hmm. about the results, mm -hmm. we need to approach, you know, this project A, B, C, D. And it goes back to what you said about good writing too. You need to remove as much of the passive voice regardless. Most of this is just filler too. Yeah. Like maybe, I guess, I'm just saying kind of, sort of, very, literally, all of these are just unnecessary words. I mean, I know that don't you use, what's the, um, actually, Grammarly, do you use yeah, Grammarly? So you make, so you make everybody use Grammarly. And I feel like this would be like a good secondary layer. And Wait, I really, so how do you, how do you get this? It's a Chrome extension for Gmail and Outlook for web that helps you send more confident emails by warning you when you use words, which undermine your message. Mm -hmm. Right. So let's say somebody uh, hasn't gotten back to you, a client about a budget or a big, you know, launch and talked about it on a call and you sent them an email and you sent them a text and they still haven't gotten back to you. How do you, I would just say, instead of using just checking in, I would say, I wanted to confirm that you received our proposal as I haven't heard from you yet. Please let me know if you have any questions. I'd love to jump on a call. Yeah. And that's how a guy would write it too. Hey dude, did you read my email? Can you get back to me by seven? <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it would be like, I'm sorry to bother you again. Just checking to see if. Maybe you could possibly read my not that great email that probably you'll hate. <laughs> All right. Well, I think this is a very smart, <laughs> smart extension. I like it. On that note, should we wrap it up? Wrap it up. Yes. I'll take it. All right. So thank you for tuning in for the PR Wind Down podcast. And remember to submit your own agency stories and questions and share our show with your friends and colleagues. If you subscribe and leave us a rating, it will help us reach new listeners like you. And if you have an anonymous peer horror story of your own, please send it our way at the contact email below the episode notes. We cannot wait to wind down with you again. Next time. Kitty. <laughs> and thank you to our non-existent guest, Remember to remember to start your own agency stories and questions and to share our show with your friends and colleagues. <laughs> if, you subscribe, if you subscribe and leave us a rating, it will help us reach new listeners like you. And if you have an anonymous pure horror story, like let's say a podcast that the guest doesn't show up of your own, send it our way at the contact email below the episode notes. We can't wait to wind down with you again next time. Oh, <laughs>